This is the Create Yourself Podcast. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Create Yourself Podcast. Today, I had the pleasure of interviewing none other than the Noah Olson. Noah Olson is a five-time CrossFit Games athlete. He is a boyfriend. He is a dog dad. This guy is super humble and was an awesome person to talk to today. We dove a little bit into training. We talked about nutrition, but what you're going to get the most value from is how he approaches through his mindset. This guy is one of the most positive people I've ever I've ever had the pleasure to interview on here. He had tons of adversity this year that he was able to work through, and we talk about that a little bit on the podcast today. Now, before we jump into it, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to take a screenshot on your phone of you listening to this. I want you to post it onto your story, and I want you to tag Noah and I in it. Now, the reason why we want you to do that is because we need to grow this podcast. I want to get this message out there, and I also want to know who is getting value from this content. So take this, take that screenshot, post it on your story, go ahead and tag us both, and then without any further ado, I'm going to go ahead and bring them on. All right, so Noah Olson on the uh, Create Yourself podcast. Man, it is a pleasure to have you on here today. Um, I have followed you also for quite some time. We briefly rubbed elbows a little bit back in 2017. One of my friends and athletes uh, had made it as an, as an individual for the first time. Um, so we were in a lot of the same areas, but never officially talked or um, mingled in any way, shape, or form. So um, it's cool Thanks, to have man. you on and actually have a conversation with you. So I appreciate your time today. Yeah, I'm excited to be here, man. And I'm still creating myself. So hopefully awesome. I'll learn awesome. some stuff that I can use as well. For sure. For sure. Um, so for the, the small 1% of people who don't know who you are already. Um, Got to be more than that. You are. <laughs> I am a, uh, a 27-year-old, I don't know if uh, I would say boy or man, somewhere in the middle. And I'm cool with that. I like having a, a little bit of a child spirit. Um, but I... I am a CrossFit athlete. I've been competing in the CrossFit Games for the last five years, which has been a lot of fun, and that is how I make my living. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that that's the only thing that defines me. I'm also uh, a son, a boyfriend, a dog dad, hopefully a good friend to to others, and those are kind of my gigs for right now. Awesome, man. Um, yeah, you know, it, your story actually um... – I identified a lot with your story when you were coming up, just watching some of your old vlogs and videos and things that you post about and such. And um, something that really drew me to like, your story was uh, how you found your way into the games and uh, a conversation you had with Dave Castro before you had officially made it. You want to go into that a little bit for uh, the people listening? Sure. Yeah. I kind of forget about that story from time yeah. to time. So it's cool to reminisce, but, I had been doing CrossFit for, man, it had only been probably a year at that point. And CrossFit and social media were not as big then in like 2011, 12, as they are now. And so even still, Dave Castro was kind of a, a bit of a household name within the CrossFit community. And for sure, I had seen a couple of videos and heard of him. He was the director of the CrossFit Games and at regionals in 2011 I had not qualified I had tried to through the open but I didn't make it and I went to go watch and support my really good friend Guido Trinidad and while I was sitting in the stands cheering Guido on I saw Dave Castro and on a whim I went over to him and I said hey man I competed in the open this year and I didn't quite make it but I just want to let you know give you my word that I will be out there on the floor competing next year and he kind of like chuckled and brushed it off it was just some puny kid in the in the stands and he's like all right sure pat me on the back good good luck with that kid <laughs> and then in 2012 sure enough I earned a spot to compete at regionals and I happened to see him there that year and said man I don't know if you will remember me but I told you last year that I was going to be out here competing and sure enough I am and he actually said that he did remember and we got a, a cool little video Savan Matosian who's also now a friend of mine was able to document that interaction and I don't know it was just a, a cool kind of putting it out there in the universe and bringing it to fruition moment for me that I think that like you said some other people could connect to that have these lofty goals and 
speak them into existence. Sometimes that's the power that are, you know, putting your dream and your goal out there, putting it out to the world and letting the, the universe hear it per se, I think sometimes can give it some wings and help it to get there. And what's crazy Absolutely. about that is I'm sure Dave Castro hears that or, or heard that all the time. I mean, I, yeah. I, I don't know if anybody's ever asked him, like, how many times has somebody told you what Noah Olson told you to Man, where you it know actually what? came I actually heard somewhere recently, I think, I don't remember exactly what it was, but I, I saw a recording of Dave mentioning that. And he said that um, people say it all the time but that I was probably one of the last ones to make it happen just in, in regards to making the CrossFit games. And yeah. I think it wasn't because I was anything incredibly special, but just that right after that period in time, the game changed a lot. Like I think back then you were able to start up relatively quickly, kind of pick up on the skill set and get good enough to make it to regionals at least. But now so many people are very competitive and there are so many people that are just now taking classes in a CrossFit gym and will never get close to making the games. But back in that 2011, 12 would have probably been like top 10 of the games. That's just how much the level has changed. I started CrossFit years and years and years ago. And there was like these older videos of some of the older CrossFit athletes, like doing these road trips and stuff like that. And some of the workouts and the weights that they were moving, like there was one, workout with like Rob Orlando and Dave Lipson and they were doing power snatches at 185 and how back then you know you would say that to a CrossFit athlete and they're like oh my gosh that guy's so strong <laughs> yeah sometimes yeah. Uh, me and some of the guys at the gym were doing a workout and we're like hey we're good enough to be a 2009 CrossFit Games athlete right now because for sure so crazy now I <laughs> wish I could time travel back and take like my current skill level into the games then I feel like I would have dominated but who you would have obliterated everybody. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. I actually remember Chris Spieler in 2000. Actually, it was probably like 2010 or 11 when I was first taking my level one cert. He happened to be the guy, which I was pumped about at the time. And I remember him saying something about being a games athlete and needing to be proficient at cycling a 135-pound barbell for all movements power clean, snatch, deadlift, blah, 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 to be able to like touch and go 135 was kind of the standard then. I feel like now that standard has bumped up like an entire set of 45s on each side, right? Like you need to be able to snatch, clean, jerk, deadlift, squat, everything 225 at a minimum. You said 135 and I thought like, yeah, you should be able to consistently cycle a thruster at 135, but everything, and I would even venture at your level, probably much heavier than that. Yeah, no, at this point, that's what I'm saying. Like, that number has gone up to 225 pounds to be able to do everything with. Otherwise, you're going to get uh, crushed in some events out there. Yeah, I started the, I started CrossFit back when Jason Kalipo won the games. And I remember, like, getting the Every Second Counts DVD and watching it and seeing this guy, like, oh, my goodness, he's doing 155 squat clean thrusters. And now you yeah. tap it now, and you're like, oh, my gosh, you, you know, we got CrossFitters making – uh, American Open, Nationals, you know, winning powerlifting events. Like, it's insane at the, uh, yeah. the change of the spectrum with it. Absolutely. So let's, uh, let's move back a little bit. Let's talk about – I've heard you say on a couple other podcasts that, you know, uh, your fitness background was a whole bunch of different sports and that weightlifting wasn't really your thing and that you had kind of dabbled in CrossFit-like workouts. Uh, walk us through how you found your way into CrossFit and maybe even why that happened. Yeah, man. I, I mean, I think around the time that I was in college, which most college-aged young men are just working out so that they can look jacked and pick up chicks and stuff like that, right? So I, at the time, was just lifting weights and doing everything so that I could be ripped and jacked and nothing for the purposes of athleticism, really, even though I had kind of come from a sports background. Um, like, I remember I had done my first set of front squats ever. My buddy Josh Albee taught me with, like, the cross-armed um, genie, like, hold on the barbell. Yeah. And the reason we were doing it had nothing to do with our legs or strength. It was because he said, dude, front squats work your abs so much. And I was like, all right, anything for abs, let's do it. So um, 
yeah, that was prior to CrossFit. It was all aesthetic based. And then when I finally kind of stumbled into CrossFit because of the way that CrossFitters looked, I wanted to look ripped. And most of those guys happened to look ripped as well. I said, let me try this CrossFit thing. And uh, it quickly turned from aesthetics to athletics. And I was focused more on my performance, which kind of the side effect of performing really well in CrossFit is that you do pack on some muscle and get rid of some fat. So that was uh, a bonus. For sure. So you, I mean, you walked into a gym day one. I mean, was it like, Hey, I'm here to do your four o'clock class and you jumped into like an organized warm up and group class. Is that what that looked like? Essentially. Yeah. There was a, an anniversary party at P360, which is the gym that I've been at for about the past 10 years since this very day. I walked in for their workout, which was a fight gone bad style workout where it's a minute of work, a minute of work, a minute of work, a minute of work for five different movements. And then you rest for a minute and repeat that for three rounds. And they had kind of changed up some of the movements. I remember doing overhead walking lunges with a plate over my head, (laughs) rope climbs. I think I somehow managed to do on the first day we're in there. Um, there were maybe like some box jumps or step ups and some other pretty basic movements, but I gave it a shot, got my butt kicked. And I remember going to the community pool of the apartment that I was living in afterwards and laying out on one of the lounge chairs, like I'm doing right now, totally exhausted, Toast. but thinking, yeah, but thinking that was awesome. And I want to go back and do that again. And I did. And the rest is history. That's awesome. So did you, I also listened to, you were on Cody's podcast and you mentioned like you did the classes for a long period of time, decided that your movement patterns weren't as like crisp as you wanted them and then legitimately jumped into a fundamentals course. Is that what happened? Kind of. So I ended up reversing back into fundamentals after probably six months. I at first was super eager and like just wanted to do as much as possible and took it really, really fast. Like I think a lot of people still do. And it wasn't until about six months down the road where I realized, hey, you know what? I could definitely use some sharpening up of all of these skills. And I wanted to start coaching at that point. So I thought I'm going to go back, really learn everything from the ground up, refine some of my technique in the way that I do it myself and the way that I'll coach it and teach it. And I'm glad that I did because I think the technique being able to perform the movements well properly helps as has helped with me for being able to stay in the sport for longer yeah for sure I spent a lot of time being a competitive exerciser for myself uh, myself at a, a, a much lower level obviously but a lot of local competitions a lot of things like that but didn't spend as much time on my movement quality and I yeah. also struggled with it as a coach and as a gym owner and now that over the past year I've you know, bunny ears retired from competitive CrossFit and now it's just uh, aesthetics and and trying to be healthy. I found that like not only am I a little less achy, but my movement patterns have improved and that makes it easier to me, easier for me to coach that to my clients also. Yeah, totally. Awesome. So did you have a coach early on or were you somebody that was self-taught and I know you're at a gym, but we all, we've all seen the folks that can stumble into a gym and, and kind of do their own thing in the corner, paying the membership, jumping into classes. Did you have like a coach outside or did you have someone in the gym that handled your programming and your training in the direction for you? You know, it was a little bit of both. Um, I, when I first started just jumping into classes, I kind of used that coaching within the classes as like all I needed and picked up on the basics. But when I started getting more and more into it and wanting to be competitive. I kind of recruited Guido to teach me a little extra. And I think he got excited at the prospect of seeing a kid with potential and wanting to be able to help me grow. And so he did a couple of little, like there weren't even private lessons. Like I, I wasn't paying for them or anything, but we would meet up and he would do a session with me and teach me different tricks and stuff like that, that he'd learned over the years. So Guido was kind of like my mentor and my quote unquote coach at the beginning. Um, and then I would just follow the peak programming, do all their classes and on the side, in addition, would do a little bit of extra strength work. So that was about it until I think 2012, when I finally made regionals, I decided 
that I wanted to, or you know what? I think it was after Regionals in 2012. I loved competing, decided that I really wanted to continue to do that. And I hadn't made the game that year. So I said, going into 2013, I would like to get a coach, have my own like individualized programming and uh, started working with Doug Katona, who was also coaching Guido back in the day. And um, I actually just had a realization that I've kind of been following Guido's coattails my whole CrossFit career because after he and I both worked with Doug, Guido was coached by Max El Haj, who is now my current coach. So I've been uh, just getting hand-me-downs from G the whole way, but they've been great experiences. So I'm very thankful for them. But anyway, um, yeah, I've been kind of getting coached for programs for, for the past six, seven years and on and off. Like it's not consistently every single day doing what's written and expected of me. There are definitely down periods of time where I love to either make up my own thing or jump into some classes. But for the most part, I've got a coach giving me guidance. I just prefer that over having to stress out about doing it on my own. So first of all, following Guido probably isn't a bad thing. <laughs> I, no, I not at him all. A lot also, that guy is a stud and he's been in the game for a long time. And for I also sure. think another thing we need to unpack is you still jumping into classes. Well, I'm, I'm thinking like in my gym, like when we used to have uh, our, girl, our girl Casey Campbell jump into a class, when she would jump in, like everybody's eyes instantly got bigger in the room. <laughs> like, oh, we got a yeah. games athlete with us. But the, the cool thing about that is the fact that you do it. Sometimes people yeah. think that like, oh man, if I'm going to make it to the next level, I have to do this exact program by this coach that doesn't know me, that isn't here with me, that doesn't know how I feel, what kind of mood I'm in. And I would even venture to say that you probably enjoy those classes um, a lot more than oh, man. what is planned. Yeah, there's so much fun. And you kind of, you don't have to think about it as much. There's a little bit less pressure and not to uh, sound arrogant at all, but you're probably going to maybe win the workout versus yeah. some of the other people that are just there for their fitness and not competing. But um, yeah, I, I always really look forward to that kind of downtime in taking classes and disconnecting from the job aspect of CrossFit. We have some competitors at our gym and, um, you know, they're, they're, they're chasing the games hopeful or some of these sectional events and, and all these different things. Yeah. And um, I'm always on them about like, let's pop the earbuds out. Let's be a part of the community and Hey, maybe for jump sure. into the class every now and then you'll get something out of it for sure. Absolutely. So you mentioned you did a little bit of extra weightlifting stuff on the side on top of the classes and stuff like that. What would you say were some of your biggest weaknesses, like your, your first year of CrossFit? Like what were they and like, how did you overcome them? It was certainly all of that stuff. It was the, the barbell, heavyweight, deadlift, squats, just honestly anything you can think of that had to do with the barbell. <laughs> I was learning on the spot. I had never done anything with the barbell besides bench press and those genie front squats that I was telling you about so <laughs> I kind of was learning all that from scratch and not only did I have to learn and develop the technique but I needed to also develop a, a strength base on my body to be able to handle certain weights that were prescribed in workouts. So are we talking more like Olympic style weightlifting or was it powerlifting or both? Uh, yeah honestly all of it like <laughs> I think that powerlifting aided in building that base strength so that the Olympic lifts could accelerate. Like as I started to see my back squat and deadlift go up, that would also allow my pull from the floor on a clean to go up and then my catch on the clean to feel a little bit easier when I stood that squat up. So in conjunction, kind of both of those things, just my overall strength needed to improve. And it did relatively quickly. I would say kind of, it didn't feel like it at the time because I was very eager and wanted everything to happen now and then, but yeah. Um, it happened at the right rate because eventually I was able to kind of catch up to the big dogs and be able to compete with them at regionals and the games. Whereas when I first started, I was way behind the curve. Did you, so when you pushed your, your weightlifting or in your powerlifting really, really hard and you were working on your strength base, did you find that that, have, that affected like your gymnastics and your, your Metcons and stuff like that? I don't think so like I don't, I don't remember specifically feeling like there was a point in time where all of that shifted um I also put on a lot of weight believe it or not when I started doing CrossFit when I or, or once I had been doing CrossFit for a while I started at about 155 pounds and I 
have gotten to, I think two seasons ago was up at 200 pounds. So I've put on about 40 to 50 pounds of muscle in just that strength building phase. You know, I had never given my body that stimulus or exposure to it. So I think it adapted quickly and had a lot of room to grow um, because that was all new to me. And so I'm sure that at certain points being way heavier made handstand pushups and muscle ups and all that stuff feel a lot harder. But um, I think it happened so gradually that I just kind of adapted with it as that happened. Every bro listening to this podcast right now, eyes just got super big that you put on 40 pounds doing CrossFit. <laughs> it probably blew their mind. Yeah. I mean, it took a while. It didn't happen immediately. It's been 10 years um, since I started, but I would say that the big weight gain probably happened in the first few years, like I said, because I had never lifted before. And a lot of it honestly happened in my trunk. I think from squatting and pulling, like before I didn't have a lot of meat around my bones to like protect my spine and build that. So my body just packed on stuff there. I'm very like wide from front to back. And I think that was all just, my body being like, whoa, we got to pack some stuff around this spine to keep it safe and brace it from all these heavy barbells that we're not used to. Yeah, he's going to move all that weight. So we need to protect him for sure. Exactly. So let's change gears a little bit. That's kind of the your, your background and stuff. I want to move in uh, more to like your current training and what that looks like. Something cool. that I, I pay a lot of attention to now as a, as a coach, you know, who coaches like competitive athletes and stuff is that keeping the athlete healthy, healthy. Like I was the guy that would pound myself into oblivion and would never recover. I was all, I was completely worried about like the open season and not enough about how I was going to feel years from now to the point where sitting on my bed, trying to put my socks on, I was just so wrecked. I actually posted about it on my Instagram today. I noticed that you stay relatively healthy. I mean, you don't, we don't hear a lot about like Noel Olsen getting injured or this, that, and the other. So I'm curious, how do you pull that off? Like, are there specific routines or protocols or warm-ups, cool-downs that you do to keep yourself relatively healthy? Yeah, man, knock on wood, I have not had any major, major injuries. I know, if I just jinxed you, I'm a complete jerk. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's okay. um, I've got faith that it's not going to happen. But um, there have definitely been tweaks here and there over the years. Can't deny that. And I think that as athletes, we all do a good job of disguising it. You know, nobody's going to take to Instagram and say, well, bad news, guys. I (laughs) pulled a muscle in my hamstring. You know, we kind of keep it on the low and try to heal it as quickly as possible so that other, our competitors don't see that as a a sign of weakness. But um, yeah, I think that the reason that I maybe have been able to stay healthy, maybe it was because I started off without all of that like wound up built up tension in my body that some guys come in from other sports like football and maybe basketball where you've got years of stuff going on with your joints and and the football guys are probably really tight from a lot of benching and different things here and there and already have that muscle um i think because i came in pretty mobile and um not like like good muscle tissue and quality I think I've just been able to maintain that over the years and that has probably helped keep me from getting injured I obviously have my routines now where I do Ramwad a couple times a week to try to stay loose I've got some recovery tools that are really helpful and my nutrition is a little more dialed in so there are little factors that all add up I think to my overall health but when you first started mentioning it it's funny I realized that it's been a big shift I think and it's ironic because when I first started working with Max Elhaj with Training Think Tank, I, I was kind of like volume monster. Like, let's go. I just want to do CrossFit all day. I'll work out for 10 hours a day, Metcon, Metcon, Metcon. And um, he had to kind of transition me away from the not necessarily work smarter, not harder, because I was still working hard, but less volume, more specifically focused on certain things. And now... So I used to want the more, want more volume and he pulled a little bit away from me. And now it seems like there are times where I feel like he's really loading me up with volume and it's almost the opposite where I'm more aware of my body and maybe I'm a little older and I'll say, Hey, I think we need to dial it back a little bit. Like this feels like it might be a little too much volume and I can feel myself either 
getting exhausted throughout the course of the sessions during the day. And I think that's not productive or my body will react in a certain way where little tweaks start to come up more often. So um, it's been interesting that that has shifted and rather than wanting more volume, I'm kind of sometimes asking for less. And I would imagine that as you get older, that will start to happen more and more often. For sure, you highlighted something that's super important for people to take away too is um, the importance of communication with your coach. I th- totally. I'm pretty sure like your coach isn't going to be like, oh, stop being a baby. Just go do all the, the stuff. Like he's probably going <laughs> to be able to modify yeah, I mean, the program. It's definitely a delicate balance. And I think he does a good job of managing it. But we had a conversation recently where I had kind of said that. I said, I feel like maybe because I am getting a little older that the the dosage that I need is maybe less than it used to be. And I maybe have, I maybe I've developed the skills and put in enough volume that I don't So maybe we can tone it back. And he was soften up. And I think if you really want to pursue being the best in the world, you've got to be willing to put in the work and it's got to be a lot of stuff, you know, like you've got to do a pretty high volume and pretty high intensity uh, style of training in order to get the adaptations you need to stay ahead of everybody else. So, I don't know. It's definitely, so I think my speaking that to him makes him aware of it. And then him giving me that kind of, we'll hopefully meet somewhere in the middle. And so far, I feel like we're doing a good job of that balance. So it's good. Communication is key for sure. Absolutely. Um, The sport that we do, or that I did, that you currently do, definitely does require you or I would say periods of time where you should hammer yourself. But I think what's important is that you are aware of it. And you're also aware that you actually don't get better when you pound yourself. You get better when you're not pounding yourself. So um, yeah, it's important that you have that awareness and I'm, I'm highly impressed by that. So we talked a little bit about like in the beginning, you went back to doing like a fundamentals course and stuff. I find more now than ever that it's important to move well in the sport of, especially a sport like CrossFit for longevity, how important is that still to you? Like moving well for longevity, is that something you focus on still to this day? Yeah, totally. And I think sometimes you can get lost in the competitive nature of the sport, kind of pulling you away from form and a little bit more into speed. So it's harder to it's harder to move really well when you're trying to move really fast. And that's, I, I think it's possible to do both, but it definitely, you have to be aware of, of both at the same time. So um, moving well and being tweaked less is going to make you more excited to train. Your body's just going to feel better. You're going to be more eager to get after it. If you're moving poorly and little things are getting hurt here and there and muscles are getting stiff, then, I don't know, for me, that plays a big factor. Like if one little thing is off of my shoulder hurts a little bit while I'm snatching, it's probably not going to be an amazing snatch session for me. And that gets into my head. And I, I feel like all of that stuff can snowball really quickly. So the more that you can move well and take care of your body, I think it's just going to lend to an overall better training environment and mood and all that. It's awesome because I watch athletes all the time and I, and I, I try to slow them down. You know, I still coach on the floor at my, my gym a lot and I'm always yeah. out there and I'm always trying to slow them down. And I'm like, look, guys, we're not worried about the time that you get today. At this point with the new format, it's not like all of us are going to the games anymore. We need to think right. a little bit more about how we're moving instead of how fast. And it's, uh, I oftentimes find it hard to pull people back like that, especially because they're, they're, they don't have that awareness of like the longevity, especially doing a program like CrossFit where you have to move well or you're going to find yourself in an emergency room somewhere. Yeah, totally. I'm all about it. So let's talk a little bit about the the life of a professional athlete. Like what does a a day look like for you? And then we can go into like the whole week as far as training is concerned. But I'd love, I love my listeners to hear like from when you wake up to when you go to bed, like what does a training day look like? Can you walk us through that? Yeah, definitely. It's it's funny that it still feels a little bit strange to use the title of a professional athlete. I, I'm definitely there. We're all there. A lot of the CrossFitters are there, but it's relatively new to our world for us to be professionals and make a living 
doing oh, what sure. we do full time. Um, and in that regard, I think my schedule is a little bit more freelance. You know, there are probably some professional sports where it's dictated by the time that the team is meeting and it's very structured and, and rigid. Um, mine is a little bit more free flowing and I try to put structure behind it so that I have some consistency and for example, most of the time I'll wake up around 7 to 8 a.m., same time that Joanne is getting up for school, and we'll make breakfast together. I'll walk Max, let my food kind of process and digest, and lately I've been trying to get into the gym by 9 o'clock, start moving around, probably starting my first session by around 9.30 or 10 o'clock, training for about two to three hours going home, taking a break, eating some food, taking Max out again, just hanging out, kind of getting off my feet, allowing myself to recover a little bit. <clears throat> I actually just saw a little diagram. I forget who posted it about timing your training bouts optimally so that they kind of build off each other rather than either timing them too close to each other where you're hitting that fatigue too soon and it kind of ends up being an overtraining, uh, low quality day. And then the opposite of that would be spacing them out way too much and doing too little volume and not training optimally. So there definitely is optimal timing where your sessions build off each other, where you're able to recover enough from the first one and still put in volume on the second and third. Um, so yeah, that was kind of what I try to do. I'll get back in for the second session a couple hours later, do that one. Sometimes there's a little bit of a shorter break in between either session one and two or two and three, where I kind of just have like a carb shake and hang out for 30 minutes and then start setting up for the next one. But it's usually two to three sessions in the gym. I'll try to be done around four or five o'clock, right when Joanne gets out of school and we'll hang out at home, make dinner, just relax a little bit and kind of both disconnect from our jobs, hers as being a PT student right now, mine as being an athlete and uh, get a pretty good night of sleep after a nice solid dinner and hitting my macros and wake up and do it all over again on the weekends, try to also disconnect and just enjoy being a, a normal person outside of the athlete world. Yeah. And I notice I'm, I'm assuming you take pretty religious, like <clears throat> rest days and stuff, especially when we were trying to schedule this out, you're like Thursday's pretty much it. And I was like, man, I remember that Thursday rest day. We got to make sure that <laughs> we make the podcast happen that day. Yeah, uh, here we are. Yeah, for sure. So on your, on your rest days, do you have anything, any like rituals or things that you like to do? Like, for instance, you said you're like chilling out at the pool today, making everyone yeah. jealous. Uh, but yeah, is that, is that like a regular, like recovery tool that you use? I mean, you're out in the sun, you're getting vitamin D, you're resting. Is that something that's pretty typical of a rest day? Yeah, I would say that this is probably one of the things that I do like to do. Get outside, just relax in the sun, maybe float around in the pool, swim a couple of like low intensity laps. But um, I'll try to structure my Thursdays specifically to take care of any work that I need to outside of the gym. So like, like this, like a podcast, a meeting, uh, anything that has to do with business or social media or a friendship thing, an obligation, I'll try to set up for Thursday so that on Sunday, which is my other rest day, I can just totally relax and chill and spend time with Joanne and friends. Um, so Thursdays and Sundays I take off and on both of those days, I'll try to do things for recovery. Additionally, like we just got a sauna in our backyard, which is pretty amazing. Nice. I try to hop in there a couple of times a week and to sweat out toxins and just relax, which is great. And use all those other recovery tools like the Mark Pro and um, some other stuff like hitting all my macros, getting good food in. I feel like those are the kind of easy, basic recovery things that I try to hit each rest day. Get those checks in the boxes. Yeah, exactly. It makes you feel like you accomplished something on a day where if you didn't do all that stuff, could almost feel like a lazy day where you wasted some time outside of the gym. For sure. I thought maybe I was going to ask you the question about, hey, how do you like the new format? But at this point, I'm not going to beat that horse dead anymore. But <laughs> I am curious to know how you approach training this year with the new format versus um, in the past. Because it used to be, you know, trained all season. A lot of the, you know, folks that you're – like your level in the, the CrossFit spectrum, you guys didn't necessarily train for the open. You would train more for regionals and just do the open as training. Did that change a little bit this year? 
yeah definitely and it's it's been interesting that it's still like in flux we're still figuring it out you know unfortunately yeah. now i have to go chase down a qualifying spot where it was very rigid and structured before it was all right you go from the open to regionals to the games now it's kind of like there are many more options and different paths that you can take and i took two cracks at trying to qualify that didn't pan out being Wadapalooza and the open and um and and like you said yeah we i think almost everybody probably put a little more energy and effort into the open this year because you could earn a qualifying spot directly out of it and save yourself the stress and travel and all that of going to one of these qualifiers um but yeah i had a not amazing score on the first workout which kind of kept me out of one of those top 20 qualifying spots and i'm gonna go to italy at the end of this month and hopefully lock up a spot there and there are a couple other options that i hopefully don't have to uh, aggressively pursue but it's definitely a different feeling of a season as it has been in the past the season felt a hundred percent different especially i mean just for for our side of the house when we were doing the open for fun just the production everything was so much different this year and it yeah. seemed like it almost took a little bit of steam out of it we, we managed to do pretty well at my affiliate to keep everybody pretty happy and pretty excited about it but um, I, I was thinking about all the athletes that were going to be trying to qualify this year and the 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 amount of spots that were open and how much traveling was going to have to happen and not even all the events that were going to be these uh sectionals per se weren't even announced all the way yet so right a lot of stuff in flux for sure so did you yeah i mean no go ahead sorry go ahead no it was was just going to be uh a little bit of a diversion but unnecessary go ahead okay uh so in the off season, knowing that the, the format was going to be a little bit different, did that change your training at all? Like, did you focus on anything that you typically don't in, a, in what would have been a normal season? Mm, not in particular. I think that in the past when there was more structure to it, at least I personally would take a bit of time off after the games, start back kind of with the strength building phase, and then get more into the Metcons as – the open and regionals got a little bit closer and then kind of just like full everything training happens during regionals and games time. CrossFit's a very unique sport that you are training your aerobic capacity at the same time that you're training your strength and all that other stuff. So um, I think this year it's just been a lot of that because you have to be almost competition ready at all times from Wadabooza to the open to these other sanctioned events. I need to be firing on all cylinders. I can't just be, working on my strength and hoping to go into a competition and be well-rounded. So it's just been a lot of CrossFit, a lot of running, a lot of Metcons, a lot of EMOMs, a lot of lifting. And a lot of trying eating. To balance. Yeah, a lot of eating as well. I really felt that this week for some reason. I was hanging out with my buddy Bijan and I was like, dude, I'm starving still. And I'm like, 50 to 100 grams over all of my macros and I still want to eat more I think just because my training volume is pretty high right now yeah well it almost has to be with all of the different things uh on your radar right now that you may or may not have to do Uh, I know that from afar I'm going to be hoping you make it in Italy and then uh you can focus on the games which would be pretty cool to see thank you man yeah Um, for sure I appreciate that so at one time I remember hearing you say and especially in the beginning of this conversation you said that you were getting your level one so that you can coach and stuff like that. I'm curious as a coach now, I always wonder how I even began to, to grasp the concept that I could make it to the next level coaching as much as I did. Do you still coach any classes or do you have any personal training clients or do you just train full time 100%? I hate to admit that I do not currently coach any more classes or do any personal training. I really do miss it and I enjoyed it a lot. I'm sure at some point I'll get back to it, but yeah. a couple of years ago when I started working with Max, he said, I think if you want to win the games, then you need to make this your full-time job and priority. And when you're not training, you need to be recovering from training and not rushing from a session to put your shirt on to coach all sweaty and out of breath. Um, so it's been a few years that I haven't been coaching, but like I said, I miss it. And it's ironic because the first year, that I qualified for the games in 2014 was probably one of my busiest years outside of the gym. I was getting a master's degree at UM. 
I was still coaching classes. So it was a lot going on at once and somehow made it happen. I feel like that always happens. Like no matter what situation you're put in, if it's necessary, you're going to adapt and overcome and make it happen. Like, I don't know. It's a, a, I'm not even going to mention the example I was going to say, but there, I, there are a lot of people that do these what if scenarios and like, there's no way I'd be able to do that if this was also going on. But I think if you had to, and it was forced upon you, you'd find a way to make it happen. I do that in business all the time. For instance, I've hired some coaches this year that I, my, my, my clients listening to this, are going to uh, probably be amazed by it. But I hired some coaches this year that I couldn't afford. And um, nice. when Congrats. I first hired them, <laughs> I was like, oh man, well, we're just going to make this work. You know, your feet are to the fire. You don't have a choice to you either run your, your business into the ground with this or you grow. And yeah. uh, you know, obviously I was able to grow from that. But just like you said, when you get your back against the wall, you just have to make it happen no matter what. For sure. Awesome. So training a lot, eating a lot, doing the whole uh, professional athlete thing. How do you balance the, uh, the gym life with the outside life? I know you mentioned you got a girlfriend. Uh, a dog, I, having those things, I'm sure adds uh, particular, I'm not gonna say struggles, but obviously obstacles to where like you need to balance both and not be sucky at either one. Like, how do you balance that? What does that look like? Yeah, I think it's almost better. Like, I feel like they, both of those things or all of those things kind of balance each other out. If it was all or nothing on one of them, I think it would be overwhelming. It would be too much. And I'd probably go crazy if I was just training and I didn't have somebody to help me like breathe and focus on other stuff and live a normal life. But then if it was the opposite, if I was just kind of being a boyfriend and hanging out and doing the fun stuff, I'm sure I would be bored and eager to want to do something that was challenging and competitive. So I think that I'm, I'm glad that I have each of those things and that they, they balance each other out. Um, I try to, give it everything I've got when I am in the gym and really focus all my energy and passion and everything on that in those times. And then when I get out, I try to totally disconnect. You know, I, when I get home, I don't usually talk to Joanne about training unless she asks or if I'm really excited about maybe showing her a PR or something, but we rarely are talking about CrossFit at home. And when we are going out, we're kind of just living our lives and enjoying it and, maybe there are some things that we take into that everyday life that are only possible because of my career within CrossFit, which I'm super appreciative of, but I feel like I'm doing a good job of balancing both. I don't know. Other people may tell you otherwise, but so far so good. We'll see if uh, uh, she's listening to this and she's shaking her head when we release it and see what she thinks about yeah, it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's awesome. You said something that I, I preach to all of my clients and uh, to, to mentor anybody that I talk to and it's being present, right? Like when you're like, I'm doing this podcast right now with you. I got nothing else going on my phone. I don't even know where my phone is. Um, there's nothing else going on that. but this podcast, right? Mm. Same thing with training. I do this thing. I call it Coach Cody special hour. There's a timer that goes off on my phone and I get 60 minutes to work on me. When I get back nice. from the gym, I'm with my family. It's them. I have a box that I put my phone into. I put work away. Um, yeah. Being present is so important. And I think what you do specifically, that, that's the only way that it could happen. And man, I can speak to that right now. It's so difficult to focus on training when your mind is other places. I unfortunately have been dealing with some stuff outside of the gym. My parents went through a pretty nasty divorce like just now recently oh, and sorry to hear yeah, that no I, I don't mean to bring that up for any no. uh negative purpose but just to testify that the days that I had some of that stuff going on and that I was dealing with it and trying to process it on my mind it was so hard to get in the gym and be motivated to train like I don't know whether it's that or something else sometimes if you just have like these heavy distractions that weigh on you it can overpower your will to get in there. And I think being able to disconnect from that stuff the best way that you can, it's not always possible. And finding that balance of like, all right, do I want to go try to train through that? And even though it's going to be uncomfortable, like sometimes it's worth it and sometimes it's not. And I'm still learning how to balance that, you know, like when it, when it is okay to say, you know what, 
I just am not in the right headspace right now. It's not going to be a good session. I'm going to go take a little rest and maybe I'll make that session up another day or say, no, you know, I need to push through that right now. And I think overcoming this adversity will be good for me in the long run and be able to help me with other stuff. Man, I am highly impressed by your mindset. 27, is that what you said? How old you were? <laughs> I did. Thank you. So like the, being as young as you are, to be able to have that mindset is so key. It's so clutch because I know numerous athletes, uh, both in the competitive spectrum and just normal everyday gym goers that come into the gym and um, just wearing, like uh, allowing those things to creep into what they're doing. Like they're not present in their workouts, but they just don't have that awareness of like, hey, today's just not my day to push it. Maybe I should just go take a, a rest day per se. And I love that yeah. you have that awareness and that mindset. All right, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, or even taking one of those days to focus on something else, maybe like if you're not going to be able to crush it on the assault bike at 1999 watts, like, yeah. all right, tone it back and focus on some technique or, or stretch or do something productive, but not something that is going to drain your tank even further if you're already feeling a little drained. Yeah, against popular, against uh, popular belief, you cannot be 100% every single day, all day, especially when life hits you in the face with something like you've had to experience. Yeah. So something I'm impressed by is your positive attitude and just your 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 mentality towards like, it, you're, let's be honest, we being in the CrossFit spectrum, that is not an easy sport. I mean, every single time you go to work out, you're in a, a mental battle per se. How do you how do you maintain this mentality? in such a difficult sport with all these things going on. I'm sure you get pulled into a million different directions. You've got all this pressure. How do you maintain that positive attitude that you have? Thank you for saying that, by the way. I think that people saying stuff like that reinforces it even more. And when somebody says that I am positive or that they kind of like get the positive vibe from me, that makes me want to do so even more. So whenever I hear it, I appreciate it because it steers me in that direction. Um, but being in the situation that I was just talking about where I'm dealing with some difficult stuff has made me reflect and realize that I think, I don't know if I could totally chalk it up to this, but I feel like the last however many years that I've been doing this sport, I've been kind of lucky. Like I've been able to ride the wave and, and obviously I've been working really hard, but things have just kind of gone well. You know, I went from, graduating college I fell right into the first year of competing at the games and worked with some awesome people and was able to get some sponsorships that allowed me to do it full time and things have just gone really well my relationship with my girlfriend developed great and we I just like all positive things and I haven't I've had little pieces of adversity for sure but I haven't had any major things that have held me back or pulled away from my ability to be positive and see life like this awesome thing that I'm living where I get to go hang out in the gym all day and for sure yeah some sessions are tough but it's so worth it and connect with these awesome people and being able to have people tell me that I've been a positive influence for them like I don't know things have just gone really well and again knock on wood hopefully I can keep heading in that same positive direction I love it I love it man that's awesome so pretty it's I hope that everybody listening to this is getting something I mean being able to pull some, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like pull a way of thinking from you that they can implement in their own life. Because I think the things that you're speaking of, the truth, the truths that you're speaking of are things that people overlook. And, um, it, it seems like you have a great deal of gratitude and that's awesome. Yeah. With thank you. That, and you know, sorry, real quick, just yeah. to, uh, to add on to that, what you were saying it, I used to think that it was so easy before I was dealing with this adversity. I would just, friends or family that were kind of bummed out or having a bad day, I would say, Hey, it's, it's, it's simple. It's your choice Like you are in control and you just have to decide I'm going to have a good day or a bad day. And I'm real or I have realized being in these tough circumstances that sometimes it's not that simple, you know, like as much as I'm aware of it being a choice, if I'm having a tough day and I want to flip the switch and, just turn it into a good day. Sometimes it's not that simple. So I definitely feel for people that are in that situation where they kind of feel stuck. But um, I, I do think that the more you can be aware of it and the more you can try to focus on the good stuff and try to tell yourself it's going to be a good day and find little places that you can get 
reminders and inspiration and social media is cool for that. Now there are some positivity pages out there. There's this guy, Jay Shetty that I just found and he'll always post like, yeah, just like one or two sentences of like, stop scrolling right now and say out loud three things you're grateful for. And like, if I'm reading that in the morning, I'll just stop and do that. And that kind of like sets the tone for my day. And I'm like, wow, all right, today is going to be a good day. I'm going to consciously make it a great day. And when you don't have those reminders, sometimes you can get sucked into kind of like, eh, like not setting that intention for the day, but finding little reminders like that is very helpful. So cool. Yeah. Something that my, uh, for instance, Cody, uh, Cody McBroom, you're on his podcast a few months back. Yep. He, uh, he's my mentor and my, I guess, essentially my business coach now. And he, something that he said a long time ago um, to me was that like, I needed to give myself more affirmations, like to essentially affirm who I am as a person. And it, it was silly things. He's like, go to the mirror every morning and I want you to say some things to pump yourself up. And uh, yeah. you do it the first couple of times and you're like, oh, this is ridiculous. I look stupid. But then I did it. I mean, obviously I kept doing it over and over and over again. And it, and it led me down some paths mentally where the, my confidence has completely shifted and now I use it That's with awesome. other clients too. So it, that runs in line with like your, um, your whole gratitude thing and what you do. I do a lot in my journaling too. And the, the awareness of this, like I heard this quote the other day, like awareness precedes change. So when you have awareness of all these things, it allows you to, to either change your perspective or shift that mood that you're in, like you spoke about doing. Absolutely. I, I know journaling in general can be really daunting for some people. And it sounds lazy to admit it, but doing like a full journaling session sometimes is overwhelming to me. So what I did recently that has been super simple. I just have a a little journal notebook that's open on my bedside table with a pen sitting on top of it. And every night as I get into bed, I'll just write down, it doesn't have to be a set number, but just a few things that come to mind that I was grateful for in the day. And it's like simple stuff, you know, like a comfy bed, a beautiful girlfriend, a healthy body. And just as you start to do those things and there will be little unique ones as the days go on. I think it just allows you to go to bed focusing on the good stuff and feeling good about your life rather than dwelling on some, uh, some bad stuff that probably is going to happen as you go through this thing called life. Yeah. And, and initially those little affirmations don't really mean much. It's always like the look at I me and look at it like a, like a, an analogy we could use would be baseball, right? Like if you just get up to the plate and you hit a single, you hit another single, then you got two runners on and you go all the way around. Like we're always looking for this home run, this home run change, but really like something as simple as writing an affirmation, I'm sure for you can be maybe uh, initially wasn't therapeutic, but now it's something that you built up this, um, this, this growth with it. And uh, it helps you a lot. And I love that a lot. Are there any, yeah, specific- you know that re- go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. We just keep rolling. We're on good. This, we're good. This topic. And I love it. Cause yeah. one thing that I read recently from Renee Brown in this book that I am reading, um, was that if you are able to like the, like you were just saying, it's the simple things that we don't realize in the moment we love so much mean the most. And she kind of referenced um, people that have gone through tragedies or like lost somebody when they reflect back, it's the small, small things that you take for granted every day, but that you want the most. So one example that she gave was uh, a woman who lost her husband to cancer. She said, every single morning that I wake up, I wish with all of my heart that I would walk downstairs and just see my husband reading the newspaper. Like, if you were to do that every day, right, that doesn't mean anything because, oh, they're just there doing their thing. But when you don't have it, that's what you miss the most. So I think those small things are, we're always wanting like the big, huge, positive, amazing things. But sometimes it's the little things that mean the most when you look at it from uh, afar. Yeah, I was in church probably, first started going to my church about a year ago and, and something my pastor shared that I've, uh, it's been like a tagline on my, um, on Instagram for, you know, the whole past year now. He's like, he's like, you only got 28,000 days. That's it. He's like, don't go and try to start counting down how many you've used you've uh, used already because it'll scare you. But when you know that that amount is not infinite, don't you want to take the most out of every single day? And for me, like with my family and my life, my business, it's gone a, such a, it's made such a huge shift. And it seems like you already practiced that already. Yeah, I love it. 
Awesome, man. So going to respect your time. We have been, I could, I feel like we could do this for like two hours and that's cool. I agree. Go jump in the pool and enjoy your day, but let's, uh, let's, let's get some parting questions out of here. What's your ultimate goal in the sport? Like what's next for you? So I'm still chasing the dream of trying to be the fittest man on earth and winning the CrossFit games. That is kind of been my, my major focus for the past five or six years still rolling with that even though there are a lot of changes that have gone on through this season that has stayed constant um so i mean the the first step toward achieving that is getting a qualifying spot which hopefully is achieved here at the end of the month in italy and outside of that um just trying to be a positive influence, be a light and uh, build my brand in a way that people appreciate who I am as a person as well as an athlete. I think one thing that was kind of eye-opening to me this past week, unfortunately, the CrossFit community lost an amazing, amazing, amazing person that was a part of it, Becky Conzelman, who was a good friend of mine. And uh, it was really interesting as I was reading all of the posts of the people that were reflecting on her and how much they loved her and missed her, not one of them talked about her athletic accomplishments. And she was an amazing athlete. She was a, an individual CrossFit Games competitor, a Masters CrossFit Games competitor. She was almost a, an Olympic cyclist. She was a national champion. And everybody just was talking about how much of an amazing person she was and how sweet she was and how much they appreciated what she did for them as a person. So in addition to chasing these lofty goals and titles and accolades, I want to develop myself as a person and have people see me for that more than they see me for just being a CrossFit Games athlete. And so when I, when I, Chastity first uh, told me about that when she came on the podcast, and I think she, Becky might have been in the hospital still. And um, oh, wow. it, it really, it, it really brings to light like, what's important versus what's not important, especially in the beginning when we were talking about like, you know, longevity in the sport. And, and like, I've met some athletes in the sport that uh, aren't what I hoped they would be when I met them. And um, in my head, I'm like, well, if the sport wasn't here, like, who are you? Like, you know, there's this quote, like people, uh, right. people don't remember what you did. They, they remember like how you made them feel. And that's something that yeah. um, Becky probably seemed to focus a lot on the how she made people feel category. 100%. Awesome. Uh, no, man, I loved having you on today. It was so cool to talk to you. Um, so I don't have any like cool questions. Sometimes people have these cool <laughs> questions like, hey, you're at a table, you know, pick who would you bring? <laughs> like, I, I'm kind of glad you don't have any of those. They dude, put me on the I'm not, spot and I'm like, uh, I don't know. I'm not clever enough, but I do like to know uh, books. Like I'm a big time reader. My listeners know that I'm a big time reader. Everybody who's connected to me knows that. Um, Man, give us uh, give us two of your your favorite books that either you've read recently or that you would advise somebody would read. Amazing! So I am reading "Daring Greatly" right now by Brene Brown, and I'm really enjoying that. My friend Logan Gelbrick also just wrote a book called "Going Right," and I haven't read it yet, but I imagine it's going to be great. Um, and then the third one, I don't know if I'm allowed to do three that came to mind is Go for Shoe Dog by Phil Knight was an awesome book that I enjoyed a lot. So those would probably be my top three that came to mind most recently that are not just nonfiction, or I'm sorry, that are, are nonfiction. Because um, I also love reading some good like fiction, mystery, sci-fi stuff, but that's totally separate. I've really dove into nothing but pretty much nonfiction. My wife tells me that I need to read some fiction, but the only fiction books I've probably read in the past five years were the Hunger Games books, and probably everybody listening is laughing right now. Uh-huh. It is what it is. Uh, I read those as well. Yeah. Uh, no, I loved it, man. Thank you so much for coming on today. Um, let's go ahead and do a couple of plugs for yourself. Like anybody you want to you wanna shout out or, or uh, where people can follow you at? It was truly my pleasure joining you on here. I appreciate it very much. I enjoyed the conversation as well. If anybody wants to follow up and check out my stuff, I primarily uh, share my stuff on Instagram. That's at N-O-H-L-S-E-N. And then I have my website that has some stuff on there as well. NoahOlson.com. Perfect. I will put that yeah. in the show. I'm writing it down here. I'm going to put that in the show notes for everybody here. Um, Appreciate again, that. Thank you so much for coming on today, man. Um, 
I'm sure people are going to get so much value out of it. And uh, we'll talk again soon. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks so much for listening to our show today. Before you go, do me a favor. Head on over to iTunes. Go ahead and give us a five-star rating. Tell us what you like and love about the podcast. Tell us about guests that you want us to have on or uh, really any feedback that you have for us. We're completely open to it. Um, And then do me another favor. Go ahead and take a screenshot. Go ahead and post it on your Instagram story or your feed and tag it. I'd love to know who's listening to this and then um, see who's getting value from it. And then one last thing before you go. If you happen to be looking for remote workout programming or nutrition counseling, um, myself and my team are doing doing some great work with people both remotely and in our uh, gym location here in Silverdale, Washington. So um, if you're interested in that, go ahead and send me an email at Cody at CrossFit7Cities.com and we'll go ahead and get you started. Um, and again, thanks for listening today. This is the Create Yourself Podcast.